from Mary's perspective. Uh, I mentioned that at the beginning, and now as we take a look at the Gospel of Luke, for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas morning, we're going to consider what it might have been like. I mean, they're obviously, uh, we're not aiming to speculate, we're just going to take from the text what we have revealed to us, uh, but look at it through the lens of of what it might have been like for, for her as she's receiving this as well. And we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Uh, so if you want to turn there in your own Bibles or just follow along here, I have this on the PowerPoint as well. And this is what we read. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And we called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. This is the word of God. I pray that he adds his blessing to it and also our comprehension of this text. And really, in, in a sense, just for somebody who delivers messages, this is, a, this is an easy title. It's just right there. You know, as Mary hears uh, from this encounter with the angel, this kind of theme that's just driven home, announced by the angel, is nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So I want to consider that just in general because a lot of us are pretty familiar with this storyline in general. But for a moment, if you step back and just consider what's happening here, Mary, a teenage virgin, is going to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God, who will reign forever. Do you realize how remarkable that is? You know, I've heard people before and sometimes as I've had a chance to travel and I ask beliefs from other people and you think, how could you possibly believe that? This is a fairly spectacular message that's being declared here too. And the, the, the angel here is preaching a message to Mary as well. Nothing is impossible with God. Yeah, most of us probably know this story. Perhaps we're just reminded today of how remarkable it is. So just to consider uh, briefly with you some of what's remarkable about this. The very fact that God is choosing a teenager and a virgin for this is pretty remarkable. Who God is choosing, that's spectacular. I guess we really shouldn't be surprised if you know the story of the Bible. God uses and employs the services oftentimes of the most unlikely candidates. 
And you can go all the way back and open up beginning in the book of Genesis and start seeing that God is kind of selecting people who are the unlikelies and using them all throughout the scriptures. And perhaps you could think of a couple. In fact, let's do it. Who do you think is an unlikely candidate that God uses in the Bible? Rahab. Rahab. Why is she unlikely? She's the lady of the night, right? Okay, anybody else you can think of? Gideon. Gideon? Mm -hmm. He was the least of his tribe. I remember an old uh, thing I used to do at VBS, and my character was Gideon. I was like, Gideon! <laughs> Just seemed to work. Any other unlikely candidates? David. Pardon me? David. David. Why was he unlikely? Shepherd. Just a shepherd boy. There other people who seemed like they were greater, you know? The, the little guy, the uh, forgotten one. Somebody else said something? Ruth, Ruth yeah. Right. Yes, Ruth. Any others? Abraham. A yeah, sure, Abraham. Abraham, like this guy. Who is this guy? You know, and he's going to go to... Okay, you get the idea. We can go on and on and on. I, I think of people like, like Shamgar. He's got like one line in there too. It's like, who is this guy? But God uses him for his service. There's, you could keep thinking of examples. And usually it seems that God seems to go in the unlikely direction. So I suppose we shouldn't really be surprised if you're a student of the Bible. When, you're, when you open it up and hear now this story of Jesus arriving in, on earth. That it's of somebody who's incredibly young. And who's a virgin. Obviously, the virgin part of it's mysterious because she's a virgin. And by definition, that means she shouldn't be having a child. And so this is, this is kind of remarkable, who God is using, a teenager, a virgin. Um, but who she will bear is remarkable as well. I mean, there's a lot of people who are having babies. You go to the maternity ward right now. And, you know, it's, it's a great, great place to be. There's lots of rejoicing and, and celebration. And, you know, you see, you see the signs and everything, too. But it's kind of hard to imagine. You know, usually they have a name. Uh, it's a baby born Luke, you know, Luke, whatever. Jesus, the Savior, the Son of Sinner, the, the Savior of Sinners, being, being born is rather remarkable. In Matthew chapter 1, we're told that his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So this is a reflection, Joshua, he who saves his people. And it's married together, that's his, his first name, with a title, Christ, who is the Messiah, the anointed one too. This is not, I mean, every birth is spectacular, but this one gets an asterisk next to it as well. I mean, this is the one who's been long awaited for so long. And he's in this text called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. His reign will never end. I mean, this is not just an ordinary birth in that sense. I'm guessing for most of us, if we saw that and a doctor came to follow up, hey, healthy baby boy, you know, great. What are you going to name him Jesus? Why? He's going to save people from their sins. <laughs> this is the son of the most high, the son of God. What do we typically do with people who are saying that? <laughs> we put them on medication. <laughs> or you can't wait till they're gone or something like that, too. I mean, this is remarkable. Really, the, the, the gravity of what's happening here is incredible. How long it's taken to get here is also remarkable. I mean, what's happening in this story, we read it in just a few verses, but this has a backstory like so many great things that you're binge watching on Netflix. 
There's backstories that make this, without a context here, it's just kind of another story. But this has been something that has been in the works from the beginning of time. In, 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 in the Trinitarian Fellowship, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in, in mysterious union with each other, uh, planning this forever. This is what it will look like for us to create a people, and this is how we will redeem that people when sin enters the world. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world, there's a promise made by God that one day he will send somebody who will deal with the problem. Yeah, his heel will be, uh, well, he'll have a, a heel that will be injured as it were, and we know as time works out that Paul too looks back and says, just the perfect time of the right line, and exactly in God's economy, Jesus entered the world, and he would do, he would do the, what man could not do. He'll save us from ourselves, because we've been trying forever to save ourselves, but we can't do it. Only a perfect man, only God can, and he had to be born to do that. And here comes Jesus, and he does it. And on the cross, it looked like he lost. But we know the rest of the story, that he rose from the dead, and that he conquered Satan. He conquered sin. He conquered the ultimate enemy, death itself. That's why we celebrate and look forward to Easter, because when Jesus is born, we know that he's going to die, but he's the baby he will raise again as well. But this storyline has taken eons to come about. In fact, eternity all passed. And then in space and time, in Genesis 3.15, we read that promise. One day, God will save someone. Send, send someone to save us. And it's happening right here in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month when God sends to Gabriel, this, this angel who we've seen before earlier in, in the book, he had gone to talk to Zechariah and reveal that he also as he was serving God in the temple, would be having a child. Uh, a child that had been prayed about for so many years. And that his wife, who was expecting uh, somebody and hoping, maybe had died to the hope that she'd ever have a child, because she was well along in years, would be expecting somebody. An another remarkable aspect. But here, it's taken all this time in history, but even in, in space and time for people, for Zechariah, to wait for the longing of the fulfillment of what they desired. And it happens right here as we read. Gabriel comes to the virgin and says, Greetings, God is with you. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a child. You're going to give birth to a son. And how it happens is remarkable as well. As we've already noted, if she's a virgin, how is this going to occur? Well, the text tells us that Mary herself is wondering how that's going to happen. And in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is a divine conception. This is outside the scope of the normal way that things happen. And in her integrity, she knows she's, she's, she hasn't done what usually leads to something like this. And she's going to be put in a situation that's obviously quite awkward, but also at the same time unique and favored. That's remarkable. By the Holy Spirit. Her relative Elizabeth, as we said, was expecting. That was remarkable because of her age. She was well along in years. This is remarkable for the opposite reason. It shouldn't be. And of course, you know there'd be whispers as well um, along the way. And, and, the, and part of what's remarkable about this text 
at least it seems to me so far, is that nothing that we've talked about is within our own control. This is a divine narrative that God has been orchestrating for all of time and said, you're the person I'm going to choose. But Mary's response seems to be within our control. That is, when this happens and God's mysterious providence and all that he's doing comes about in ways that you wouldn't possibly expect on a time frame that you could never anticipate at a time in your life which doesn't seem very convenient, it happens. Something happens. God is doing something that feels outside the scope of your control. And how do we respond? Mary gives us a picture, at least, of, of what that response can be like. And this, too, is remarkable. How she responds is remarkable. Because her response to all of this, in verse 38, is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. The only factors within our control is this final one. She responds with belief, a statement of belief, May it be to me as you have said. Uh, and, and underneath this seems to be belief as well because it's contrasted with Zechariah who when the angel said, hey, your wife, that, thing, that gift you've been praying for, she's finally pregnant. And he kind of says, well, how am I going to know this? And so it seems like there was some you know, understandable confusion there, but underlying it seems to be a bit of, uh, of doubt. Not the same sort of humility and resolution that we see necessarily in Mary. And so Zechariah, if you know the story, he said, the angel says, you won't be able to talk until the baby is born. Uh, and it's, it's pretty remarkable. I, I, when I read that text, I wonder if maybe... Part of him saying, you know, give me a sign. How will I know it's true? Well, you won't be able to talk. Then you'll know it's true. It <laughs> might be some of what's going on there, too. But obviously with Mary, there's just kind of a, a, a different quality, obviously, here in her response as well. Uh, a belief that can question certainly how will this be because she does that. But underneath is, is faith, is humility. I love this response. I am the Lord's servant. There, there seems to be, at least in Mary, and this could be even in the context of the day, uh, a young teenager who now is a, a virgin who's being told that she's having a child. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine what that would be like, but she seems to have a posture of acceptance. We live in a, in a cultural time, too, where generally we build ourselves up based on what we deserve. We talked about this last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, too. We, have, we tend to, at least in the West, think in terms of my rights. And I will demand my rights right now. And Paul's kind of challenging the Christian church in Corinth on that, saying, should you really be thinking so much about your rights as about honoring the other? And maybe even sacrificing what is probably legitimately yours for the cause of Christ. There can be some sacrifice there too, even if you deserve something. But Mary, maybe at least in part because of her position and her time too, but also it seemed like underneath it, a little bit below the skin, is has this posture of, okay, whatever you want, whatever you will. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It certainly doesn't seem to fit with my idea of how things were going to go. And definitely there's shame. Can you imagine the shame? that would come on you, just even in our cultural context, if you're a young teenager and saying, I'm, pre I'm pregnant. And then even more so saying, but I've done nothing wrong. 
You know, nothing happened. I mean, it just, boop, there, there it was. I mean, nobody would believe that, but you could feel like you're cast aside how much more so in this cultural time as well when there weren't a lot of, say, rights that were given, certainly to women in general and definitely not to a teenager, teenager who was only betrothed, engaged to be married. So they weren't supposed to consummate this marriage yet. It was like the deal that the deal had been struck, everything was arranged, but they had to wait until their marriage day for everything to be consummated. And yet there she is expecting. And Joseph himself knows he wasn't involved in this. How she responds, belief, humility, resolution may be as you have said. I don't get it, but I'm willing to trust. It won't be easy, but I will accept it. And of course it won't be easy. And we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story, but she didn't. I mean, so much of why I appreciate, I appreciate the Bible for another reasons, but just the raw honesty of it. I mean, we do have the luxury of, we know the story, but we're invited to enter into this moment as well and say, but she didn't and neither do I necessarily. Whatever turmoil or uncertainty there is, whatever shame you may feel, whatever, you know, uncertainty the future may hold that's where Mary was and and for her the word of peace to an angel who appears and and then these angelic beings kind of always rock everybody who who they appear to for her is it's okay the Lord is with you and that promise that Lord is with you promise is one clarion promise throughout the scriptures that we have to hold on to especially when things seem darkest it may not resolve the way that we desire, but God is with you. And apparently, at least for Mary as well, that was a bit of an anchor for her too. I don't know how this will turn out. You're telling me something categorically that my mind can't comprehend, but I'm your servant. And may it be to me as you have said. She's a teenager expecting a child. That's a, that's a strike. While she's pledged to be married, that's two strikes and not by another man or by the one she's even betrothed to be married to. She'll claim to be pregnant in divine movement of the Holy Spirit. That's three strikes. And yet she replies, I'm the Lord's servant. Somehow, and we've been talking a little bit about even the worldview for the Corinthian church. Somehow, in whatever way, she has got a, a, a way of viewing the world that when everything seems out of control, even though she's been set aside like this, for this, with an amazingly high privilege, yet for her, doesn't fit the category, she's able to respond, not my will, but yours be done. And this message may have seemed favorable, but, man, that's heavy stuff, too. Because it means that she's going to be ridiculed, misunderstood. And that's, Nobody likes that. When these kind of messages come, how do we respond? And I, I, I think that, you know, each one of us may feel like, oh, I wish I could respond that way too. But part of why we gather together over the long haul is I think God is just baking this response into us over a long period of time. It does, for some of us, it happens automatically. But for most of us, it's just a long trial of one thing after the other, learning to kind of think the way that God wants us to about the world he's created. The reason why it's so hard, we believe, is because sin is real and it's so devastating. But that's not the last word. 
There's other words that come to us. I have the chance of being a police chaplain, as I've told some of you, and uh, about a week and a half ago, got a call to respond to, uh, to deliver a death notice to a family, and it was um, uh, kind of a longer experience um, with, with some details here and there, but the net of it was that this, this lady uh, who was just reuniting with her husband, they'd been separated for quite a while. Um, he was working on, on a van, uh, and it would it kind of slipped into gear and it rolled back over him and, and killed him almost, almost instantly. And it was on their anniversary. He was getting prepared to go and they were going to have a great evening of it as well. So, uh, so we delivered that, that news. The, the, the detective was fan, did a fantastic job. I felt largely irrelevant because there's not a relationship there, uh, but I was along uh, for the ride, so to speak. And actually in many respects, for better or worse, became a target of her anger toward God. And one of the things that she said, I was just kind of there too, was, was like, she looked at me and she said, this is just a cruel joke. And she was very upset, understandably so, and asking me for answers. And I said, I, it, it, I know it feels like that. I know it feels like that. It's understandable, isn't it, in our grief and our pain, our, our dismay, uh, perhaps those words are something she'll think about later and say, you know, I, I have a different perspective. But I do know, and I don't know how I would respond. I, I can't even think about some of these tragedies that unfold before us. What would I respond like to? But I do know of a, a, a pastor friend whose four-year-old child was struck by one of, one of his family members, hit by a car and, and killed as well, too, a handful of years ago. And his, his response, and I'm not saying I would say the same thing necessarily, but was like, we're so grateful we had four years to love this child. Uh, look, that guy's way more of a saint than I am. I don't know if that would be my initial, or if you give me some time, I could kind of get there. But there's something underneath it that looks at the world very differently. Either as, as somebody whose rights have been abused, and I'm going to be angry at you, I didn't get what I want, or somebody who says, everything I have is a gift. Whatever it is you want, Lord. My life is completely turned upside down as a teenager. But I'm willing to trust you. And that's what Mary has here. And we know as time goes on and as Jesus grows up and he starts performing miracles and obviously no mother wants to see a child die and, and there's, there's Good Friday as we call it when the, the shock of seeing a child persecuted like that happens and then then the resurrection and it's it's the thrill of everything we see the entire story but a lot of us live in the story not yet done do we really believe nothing is impossible with God and and when we read this we know the answer is of course nothing is impossible if you open up the Bible and be in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth you could close it right there and be pretty convinced nothing is impossible for God. He took no, from nothing and spoke the universe into existence. You think what's going on with you is that difficult by comparison? Nothing is impossible for God. If we know he can do the impossible then in our lives and yet he doesn't, what do we do then? The longings you have in your heart for something to change that you feel like you've been praying about forever and there's nothing. What do you do with that? 
Are we able to embrace that he is still at work, perhaps mysteriously, but definitely? If we know nothing is impossible with God and he's not doing something in our lives that we feel like it would be good, or that it just, then is it possible then that he has another purpose for it? Is it possible that God is waiting for the right time? Is it possible that he is leaving something in you that makes you long for a time when he does tie everything up together? And all those things, some of them happen in space and time, some await a future resolution. Certainly that's true for everybody in the Old Testament who said, is it possible? Nothing is impossible for God. Then send your Messiah now. And they died and never saw him. But he came later and they looked forward to that in faith. And some of them, for whatever reason, God said, I'm going to give you a glimpse that I can do the impossible. And, and you people collectively need to, need to see how exciting that is. Here it is in the text. Nothing is impossible with God. You feel like not in my life. Well, here it is. It happened in history. At the very least, latch on to this reality. Mary, a teenage virgin, will give birth to Jesus, the Son of God, who will reign forever. Yeah, nothing is impossible for God. And in his goodness, sometimes, he still demonstrates that nothing is impossible with God in a way that we just can't explain otherwise. And those stories may belong personally to you, but one of the reasons we even have stories of grace is so you can see they belong to us. So I want you to hear one of those stories. And I'm going to turn the time over to Nitya, who's going to come up and share. For her, she can say quite definitively, nothing is impossible for God. Nitya, come up here. And I, if you want to hold the microphone, what's most comfortable for you? Like this? Or do you want to have it on the stand? Maybe like this. Okay. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, go ahead. And yeah. Just make sure you hold it so everybody can hear. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> Nothing is impossible with God. So I'm here to share my story, like how I'm starting to realize that the truth and power in these words. So my name is Nitya, and I'm from India. Um, I was born in a Christian family. But then I did not know God much. Um, for me, like my uh, childhood, my teenage, everything was so much blessed. I didn't have anything to complain. I didn't have the need to pray to God, ask him for anything, wait on him. So I did not know that. Um, in 2013, I got married to Jerome. Uh, the day when we got married, we started talking about having kids. Not one, but three every other year. <laughs> Continuously. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, we tried for a year. It didn't happen. So we thought, okay, uh, we'll get ourselves checked. Uh, then in 2014, we got ourselves checked. So that was when doctors said, hey, your eggs are not growing properly, your endometrium, the thing where the baby sits in. That isn't growing. Um, and for your age, your egg reserve is too low. It was such a shocking news. And we asked them what to do. So they uh, said, you must be put on hormonal injections. 
and a lot of medicines. So without hesitation, we said, yeah, I'm ready. So we did that for three years. Uh, every month I was on hormonal medicines. We tried uh, without any hesitations. We just tried with, with the hope of medicine. It didn't work. So in 2017, I underwent a surgery to see what is really wrong inside. Um, <laughs> so uh, the results were very unexpected. My uterus wasn't normal. It was so funny when they said uh, my uterus wasn't fully opened. It had a wall <laughs> dividing my uterus into two. And then um, both my fallopian tubes, whether egg just travels and comes and sits. So both the tubes were blocked. Unfortunately, everybody have just two tubes. And <laughs> both, both my tubes were blocked. And then a um, few months later, I underwent another surgery to get it all fixed. And it was fixed, but then a doctor said, mm, we did our best, but uh, this growth, the blocks can reoccur. So it can reoccur in another two years, which means you should get pregnant in another two years, which was like, um, it was very devastating to hear that. So that very moment, I made up my mind to do anything and everything to get pregnant because we were so eager to have kids. Um, yeah. So by the end of 2019, I'll tell you, we had around six IUIs, um, two IVFs. We switched hospitals. We changed doctors. We went for acupuncture therapy. We took herbal medicine. Um, we took Siddha medicine. And then I quit my job. We went on strict diets, real strict diets, which was very difficult for a foodie like me. <laughs> um, we did everything. We also prayed. Uh, it was like, you know, we, we would do all these things and just inform God. Hey, God, we've done this. You've got to answer us. So, uh, <laughs> with all this, nothing happened. Everything failed. So <laughs> my stress and everything, uh, all the negative things, what and all could happen, everything happened to me. I was such a different person. I became a very negative person. Uh, I almost hated myself. And um, so by the end of 2020, I lost hope. I thought God hates me and he's not going to give a baby because we've been asking him for years. So, so the, with 2019, I thought my time to get pregnant was all over. <laughs> and then in 2020, January, we had a church member hand, uh, give us a year calendar. So on that, there was a verse from Deuteronomy 28.8, which said, um, For the Lord your God is going to bless you in the land he is giving you. Jerome read that, and with all his heart, he said, Hey, Nitya, we are going to have a baby in the United States. <laughs> I just laughed. I teased him. I made, so fun. I made fun of him and said, Hey, it's just a normal verse on a calendar. Why do you believe it so much? 
But then um, he didn't lose hope. He said, we will have a baby in the United States. Because that was the time when talks about his visa, about coming here were all happening. And in a few months, we got the visa. But then COVID hit. <laughs> we did not travel to uh, the US. So we did have time. So um, then something in my mind said, go try one more IVF. You will get a baby, and uh, you can travel to a new country with your baby. And then I convinced Jerome for another round of IVF. And in September 2020, we tried it and failed. Um, <laughs> we failed, and I kind of lost my mind. I started fighting with everybody in the family for no reason. There will be like no reason for my anger or fights against them. But I used to be a totally different person. Uh, so, yeah, all this happened, and as a result, doctors said there could be some problem with your eggs. There could be some DNA defects with your eggs, which cannot be fixed. Um, and the only option for you to conceive and have a baby is through a donor egg and a surrogate mother. I was ready even for that. But before we could decide, we got a call to move here. In 2020, November, we came to this country. When we came, it was winter. Um, we were kind of alone. We didn't have friends. Uh, Jerome used to work from home. It was very difficult. And um, my stress and my, I don't know, uh, everything, all those negative things, went on to a very high level. <laughs> and I used to start fighting with Jerome, and I used to say, um, why don't you just leave me and go? Just go um, marry someone else. Ha have children of your own. Don't wait on me. <laughs> I used to keep fighting that way. And um, Jerome, will he, he'll just be silent. He didn't even have the thought of making use of that, that opportunity. He missed it. <laughs> yeah. And then in... <clears throat> 2021, we almost wanted to go back to India because we were fighting. There were no signs of me getting pregnant, so it was very difficult for us. One day, Jennifer, uh, I met her, and it was a Sunday. She was kind of glowing, and uh, <laughs> she, I asked her, from where, are you, from where are you coming? And she said, I went to church, Nitya, and she gave me a warm hug. So that's when I thought, okay, we also should visit this church. So we started coming to Redeemers from last July 2021. It was good. It was uh, Redeemer is such a happy place to us. It's like a family. It is our family here. And then um, after hearing my stories, uh, Mark and the elders of the church uh, anointed us with oil and prayed. They prayed the last year exactly on this Sunday. The Thanksgiving Sunday, they prayed for us. So after the prayer and everything, I was so confused. I didn't know whether to believe or not. Because on one hand, I have all the reports which says that I cannot get pregnant naturally. Whereas on the other hand, people are praying 
and mark with so much elders everybody with so much of hope they are praying for us it was very difficult for me i was too confused i couldn't think anything clearly uh, i was like totally confused and then on uh, jan 25th 2002 this year yeah. it was a tuesday and i came in for an esl class so that time mark came the moment he saw me with with so much of joy and hope he said hey nitya i've been praying for you and uh, god I, i'm i've been praying for you to have a baby and i'm not going to stop until you have <laughs> i you know i was like how mark you know my story and like, how could you pray no? i was so confused in my mind and after reaching home i told all this to jerome and jerome said yes we will have a baby so <laughs> that's when uh, a little bit of faith started coming in my heart mm. <laughs> then uh, from that time onwards i stopped fighting with jerome and then i stopped giving him the chance of leaving me and then <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, and then i compromised with people with whomever i fought i you know the i i i literally messed up their minds so i in person i apologized with them and jerome could see so much of change in me and even i did so um, months went by um, something in my mind said uh, god will definitely give us a baby but i did not believe that it will happen naturally i thought it's it's going to be either medically god is going to support me even if i go medically and or here maybe naturally so that naturally part was kind of very low in my mind so this medical part was you know something high so i started to talk to my doctor in india Uh, asking her for, to make arrangements for a donor and a surrogate mother when we visit india uh, in august uh, we planned to visit india we got our tickets booked um we started shopping and packing things um we had a list to to do in india but then few days before the travel i felt sick and jerome was very scared that i will spoil the trip like you better don't spoil the trip <laughs> because he was very much eager than me to visit india <laughs> but then um, I, i didn't recover so we, we just tested our pregnant for a pregnancy just in case so we did and we got those two lines which we have been waiting for 9 years in our life to see we saw those two lines but then i didn't believe <laughs> i thought i was telling jerome there could be some problem with the strips so <laughs> we got uh, strips of different brands <laughs> we tested on different days at different times <laughs> and everything came out positive surprisingly it was but even then my heart was like 80% okay and 20% doubtful so uh, we went to a doctor and in the scan she said hey that's your baby's heartbeat and we couldn't recognize 
we haven't seen anything like that before. I'm like, where is the heartbeat? And then she said, the one which is flickering there is your baby's heartbeat. Oh, it was such a miracle for us to see. And I can't believe that I am witnessing a miracle. So uh, we shared it to Mark, we shared it to the elders. Um, and yeah, it was, um, it was so unbelievable. I, I was in happy tears that time. Uh, so the moment I shared the story to Mark, Mark was like, hey, you should tell this in church, you should tell this. Um, but then I said, no, Mark, I need some time. Uh, the reason uh, I waited so long is, during our third IVF, I asked my doctor to keep the embryo uh, grow till five days. So usually they transfer it in uh, two or in, in second day or third day. But I asked them to keep it until the embryo go, grows for five days and then transfer. So when they did that, the embryo did not grow up to the fifth day, like how it is supposed to be grown till fifth day, it did not grow. So I was scared. But now, with God's graciousness, uh, I'm standing before you all pregnant. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> pregnant in my tw almost 23 weeks. So I think uh, they say that this is the viable pregnancy week. Um, it's, I, I just can't believe. So the, all this happened only when I put God first. Because I had no other option. <laughs> I asked Jerome, can we go for a treatment in this country? He said, I'm sorry, I can't spend. <laughs> he told me that. Because, and I had no other option than to wait only on God. So, uh, to add upon the story, um, uh, we got our tickets booked to go to India. And once we got to know that I'm pregnant, we canceled our tickets. Uh, Jerome canceled the tickets. He called the customer care for a refund. He said, sorry, sir, uh, you're not going to get your money back because you booked, uh, booked non-refundable tickets. So... Uh, and then when I heard that, I, I, I asked him how much was the amount. He said it's around $3,600. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. And then um, I prayed. Um, that's not me before. But after all this, I've changed so much. I prayed to God for a few minutes. I told him, that's a lot of money, and you should give the money back to us, God. <laughs> because we did not plan this pregnancy. You did. <laughs> and then I called the same customer care. Uh, I called the same, uh, same customer care guy. Uh, I told him that we are not traveling and all this. He said, uh, I asked him, uh, can I get a refund? He said, yes, ma'am. Uh, we will refund. The domestic flights has been canceled. Like, all this happened in, in just a few minutes after I prayed. Uh, so we couldn't believe that. Uh, I kept on asking him again and again. We got an email, con email confirmation. And then we did get our money back. So um, I'm so glad that God made me realize 
you know, he hit on my head and said, hey, learn to trust on me before you could do anything. I will, he will do things for us, but at his own time, which, which will be perfect. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be looking forward to this birth after hearing that story. So due date's in March, and we're going to keep praying, uh, obviously. But I hear stories like that. I'm so encouraged because I know there are probably a lot of stories that feel like you haven't had that kind of answer. You know, maybe you prayed for something you believe, and it didn't, didn't happen. So to me, this encourages my faith, and it says, wow, let's not give up. Anything is possible with God. It also presses me to say in, in God's mystery and providence, sometimes he, he doesn't answer in that way. But that doesn't mean I can't stop praying. Nothing is impossible for God. And so, Nietzsche, thanks, thanks for sharing. Thanks for being patient as I kept pestering you. Share, 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 share. Because I do think her story is our story. And when, it, it, you know, you said family. I, it's true. We're brothers and sisters. I hear that. That's my story. And so let's own it. And where you, where you feel like God's not listening, don't give up. Keep praying. I recommend you tell Nithya about that and have her pray. <laughs> Personally, because she's got the fire and the power going on now, too. And, and sometimes in God's providence, it, it, it just won't come about. But let's not, let's not give up. Let's, nothing is impossible with God. So thanks for being a living example of that so many years when you would hear a story like that and probably maybe it would make you bitter because he's not answering your prayer. That might be you. I don't know. But let, let this, 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 uh, this story encourage and strengthen you. Um, we give thanks. Let's pray that, uh, and, and look forward to, to meeting this, this little tyke. And, you know, I mean, it's hard. Her, her parents would love to be here, but the line for even getting a visa is 2025. In India now, too. So it means they can't be with family. So we got to step up and, and be your family and love love and support them. Uh, and there's a lot of other people right across the street with similar stories. They don't know anybody. They, they're, they can't see their family or their distance. And that's hard and that's hurtful. Um, it's, it's not easy. But God is at work doing, still doing the impossible. So we're going to close with a song that underscores that. Um, I believe that God can, can really do anything. That's the message of the song. And the world's kind of saying this is impossible. But with God, it, it isn't necessarily I impossible. And we're going to believe that he can do that. He may even choose to respond accordingly. If this is new for you, then just enjoy it. It's a pretty easy song to pick up uh, along the way. But let's go ahead and stand together and responsively sing, reflect, and respond on this, this story, not only from Nitya, but the, the word of God as well, that nothing is impossible for God.